I remember just going through this process, just thinking and eventually getting to a place going, I'm just not a very good person. I'm just not a very nice person at all. And being really stuck alone with that, that thought. Welcome back to the Understanding Men podcast, which is basically two guys talking about things that men could but don't speak about anywhere near enough. I'm Luke Sutton, and once again, I'm here with my great friend, Fraser Franks. So we are going to talk about loneliness today, and I think this is a really fascinating topic because I genuinely think that people, and men in particular, feel loneliness far more than they might ever let on. I don't necessarily think that's about being dishonest. I think that's a sort of understanding of feeling lonely. As I was researching this podcast, I I looked up the definitions of loneliness and one of them really jumped out at me. Loneliness is a feeling of unwanted isolation or lack of connection where you are alone or surrounded by others. And I think that last part of whether you are alone or surrounded by others is fascinating. There's a real, real interesting look at what loneliness might be. And with statistics rising with mental health issues, suicide in men, I think this is a really important one for, for us to discuss. So let's do it. Fraser, as ever, let's start with you. Have you or do you feel lonely in your life and, and why? Quite a big question to throw at you, but I love that. Hmm, that is a, a grenade you've just thrown at me. I have. At the moment, I don't. And on paper, this is this is probably where you would maybe imagine that I would because I've gone through a divorce in the last five, six months. I'm now living in an apartment on my own. But I've never felt more connected to people and more at home, which is uh, amazing for me. I've, I've honestly, like I've walked... I've walked out this morning, we're recording this early, and walked into, I'm really fortunate with where I'm living. I can walk into a town centre. Every single time I walk in there, I see someone that I know, and I've never had that before, and I've never felt a connection like it. And I moved here, and I I knew that you were kind of around here, back and forth with your work. I knew a couple of other people that were around here, but other than that, didn't know anyone. And then I thought... God, what is it going to be like? I'm going. I'm going home to a flat on my own, which I haven't done for about twelve years. Don't really know many people around the area, but I've built a real community around here. And although I'm living on my own, I genuinely have never felt more connected to people and, and at home. And I've got a lot of a lot of friends from from the fellowship around here that I've got to know. It's an amazing place for that, and I've never felt that anywhere else. And I'm really fortunate with the people that I know around here. You know, my family come up every every few weeks. I have Nelly at least a couple of days a week. So I've, I feel really fortunate that I don't feel alone at all. I've never felt more connected. And the, the beginning part of that question, when I have felt alone, it has been when I've been surrounded by people. So that's a, it's a really good point. There's been people in the house or there's been people in a team or whatever it might be at work. And I felt completely on my own, even though I'm surrounded by people, where now I actually am on my own for 
little bits in the evening and stuff, but never felt less lonely. So I like that part of that, even if you are surrounded by people. And the big part or the big word that jumped out to me when you were reading that definition is unwanted, Mm. like unwanted feeling of being alone, you know, meaning that you want to be out there connecting with people, but you don't really know how to, or you aren't doing it in any kind of way because being on your own, I enjoy my own company. I enjoy having a couple of hours to myself. That isn't loneliness for me because I want it. And that definition is there is perfect because it's an unwanted feeling of having a few hours on your own going, I wish I had someone to share this with, or I wish I was connecting with someone. So I'm going to, I'm going to flip that question to you. Have, have you felt lonely? And, and when was it? Obviously, when I wrote this first question, I, I thought about it a lot for myself. And it's a really interesting one. And I want to be sort of as honest I can. I have felt a lot of loneliness in my life. And when, and yet I've been surrounded by people all my life, like you, I've been in a team sport, I live a fortunate life. But I look back on my decline or my fall to the bottom with addiction and my mental health. And the most overriding feeling I had during that time was loneliness. And I, I remember it so clearly. It's the weirdest thing because I actually can feel the emotion rising in me and I'm, I'm not going to do that. But it's, um, it was the, the, the feeling in my head that I was the only person in the world who felt like I, how I did. Mm. And therefore, then the problems and the things that I was experiencing, the mistakes I was making, the the poor decision-making, the poor behavior, letting people down, lying, hiding things. I remember just going through this process, just thinking and eventually getting to a place going, I'm just not a very good person. I'm just not a very nice person at all. And being really stuck alone with that, that thought. And that, that is crippling, that loneliness. And, mm-hmm. and at that time, that was absolutely crippling. But I also think, you know, I'm obviously 12 and a half years in recovery now and, and I have a completely different life and I don't hide things and I don't lie and I don't, you know, I, I'm a totally different person. But do I feel loneliness today? Yeah, I do sometimes, you know, I do. And I think, again, it's nothing to do with being not surrounded by people. And I want to dive into this almost for my own discovery in a way, because I think the loneliness is sometimes just being trapped with my own thoughts in my own head and going, I need to sort this out. And maybe it going back to that thing of men going, I need to fix this. I need to sort that, you know, Hmm. whatever stress this is in my life, whatever responsibility is in my life. And I do feel like I'm pretty good at taking on responsibility, whether it's with family or whether it's with business or whatever it might be. But sometimes that loneliness is, is a sort of, thing I put on myself where I go, Mm. I'm going to take all this on because I want to, because it's the right thing to do. But then I sit in my head going, this is a lot. And also I don't, I'm not happy about this or I don't, I feel uncomfortable with this, but I just have to deal with it. I have to get on with it. And that can be quite lonely. And it's, it's a weird one because it's like, I've absolutely transformed myself as a person since those recovery days, but there's still this element of like loneliness that creeps in sometimes. Mm. Do you think anyone in, in a, in a leadership position 
whether it's of a family or an organization feels that element of loneliness. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I, I also think, is it a choice? Like, am I yeah. unconsciously or subconsciously rather actually choosing it? It's like comfortable territory for me to go mm. inward. And I know that I have a disagreement in my life. I don't go out. I don't shout out. I go in. I sort of absorb mm. it in and I go quiet. And it's me kind of trying to go in my head, right, I need to work out what to do here. So I don't know if it's something that is a choice or not. It's a really interesting one. I mean, mm. I don't know. I mean, you've obviously been through a lot recently with with divorce and, and everything like that. But there must have been times when, or tell me, maybe not. Maybe that's mm. where you and I are different, where you're, did you have times in your head where you're like, I need to sort this out? whatever it might be. Oh yeah. And I need to do it. I can't share this. I need to get on with it and get it sorted. Do you ever, did you ever have that? Uh, yeah, but I genuinely think probably the, um, I think I've shared with you with, with, and a few other people that's been my way of coping ever since I was in hospital. Mm. It was, it was speaking to people every day. And I think a few years back, God, I dread to think what I'd be doing in this situation right now. I'd have kept it all in. I'd have been embarrassed. I wouldn't have shared anything. I'd have been drinking heavily and that would have been my way. And it would have been very lonely. Like my drinking, if I was to do a main share or talk to people about it, it's not rock and roll. It was like mm. sad and lonely and quite pathetic. It would have been sat on a sofa, hiding alcohol, pretending to everybody else I was fine and just sitting there drinking completely alone. It wasn't a social thing for me. So I know I can I can even picture where I'd be right now if I hadn't made the changes that I've made. And that would be a lonely existence because I wouldn't know anybody around here really, apart from if I'd have got a bit excited on my own and had a few too many, I'd have walked straight out into that town center and <laughs> gone to a pub on my own and propped myself up and made some kind of acquaintance there. But then I'd be probably walking around town for the rest of the week trying to avoid people because I'm like, oh, God, did I do something the other night? But my way of coping with this divorce, the operation, everything that came at once has been really reaching out to people. I moved back in with sort of my mum, my brother for the first bits when I needed a bit of looking after. And every single day I made sure that I was reaching out and connecting to people. Mm. But there would have been, there would have been, and there has been times, and there probably still is day to day, there is times when you maybe feel little bits bits of it where you are on your own and you're keeping, not keeping certain things to yourself, but you, you're just dealing with life. Mm. So you still get those moments. And the, the question I asked you before about, you know, that leadership role of, you know, whether you're a dad in a family and we're talking about men in this, like the figurehead of a family that's providing and has got a lot of responsibility. I think that can be a lonely place to be at times for a lot of men. Mm. And then I look at people at like the top of organizations and the reason I say it is because there's a, there's a brilliant documentary on BBC iPlayer of Pep Guardiola, the Man City manager. Most successful coach like there's ever been, but it just looks the most lonely place to be where he is. He's got a family. I think he's recently gone through a separation himself. Family in a different country. He's this absolute figurehead, but they talk about when he was at Barcelona, he needed sleeping tablets to sleep every night and was, you know, completely on his own. And no one really knows the pressure that he's under or the pressure that he puts on himself. But it is a choice also, mm. you know, like like you said there, he, he took a year out or two years out maybe 
went and lived in New York with his family and stuff like that, and then put himself straight back into it. But he, you can tell he, he enjoys it. and thrives off it. But yeah, he does. Yeah, he wants, it, he wants yeah. it. And he's he's had that period where he hasn't had it mm. and he probably missed it. I get that though. But it does look a lonely place to be. Yeah, I get yeah. that though. This is like real-time therapy for me, this, I think. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp just announced he's, he's leaving Liverpool and needs a break. Yeah. And I watched his interview and I kind of, it's the same, it's what, what you're talking about. It's essentially, it's like, I'm going to burn out here. And, and you wonder yeah. what element of that is that loneliness of being in charge of whatever it might be. And I'm not sat here going, men are the only ones in charge of families. God, Christ, no. You know, mums are... Mums are often the you know the, the the real figurehead and leader within it all, and I'm certainly with young looking after young children that can be really lonely. So I don't I want to contextualize yeah. that and not say that, but I I do think there is something about men thinking right. I need to fix this, or I need to I need to be the leader in whatever situation it is to get this sorted, and it being kind of stuck in your head a little bit. You know, mm. in my notes I was writing ahead of this, I. Gary Speed popped up in my head. And obviously, tragically, I can't remember the year when it was, but took his own life. People who don't know, Gary Speed was a very, very successful Premier League footballer, one of the most successful Premier League footballs of all time, played for Wales, manager, I think he was manager of Wales at the time. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. And he, good-looking guy, very popular, highly respected. I, just, I guess he'd be deemed as kind of one of those guys that, you just thought had everything, really, didn't you? You just thought you know, everyone wanted to be mm. someone like Gary Speed. And, and the thing that struck me with his story on the day that he took his own life or that night that he took his life, he was on Match of the Day, wasn't he? And there's footage of him yeah. with Dan Walker in the studio. Mm. And you would never have known, never have known that something was going on within inside him that later that night would take his own life, whatever it was you know, with two young boys and a family. And and it just, it makes me come back to this point. What loneliness was he feeling in his head at that moment, you know, about whatever he mm. was dealing with. Mental health clearly was in a really, really bad place, but it must have been a lonely place for him right then and there. There's a, there's a club that I'm working with at the moment and I've been speaking to their, um, it's like the player liaison. So she's very, very close with all the players. And she was talking to me about one player in particular and loneliness is is the huge thing really like like in what what taught me through is, it is, oh, oh my so he is on an absolute fortune so i'm talking 300 grand a week kind of money wow. yeah just what we get for this podcast <laughs> sponsorship uh, <laughs> has moved over from another country yes he's, he's playing for one of the biggest teams in the world the conversation she's had with him he goes to train him he doesn't really have many well, he doesn't have anyone around him. He goes into town or goes for a coffee and he kind of gets mobbed. So his life has become, he wakes up, he goes to training, he comes home, he's on his own. He wakes up, he goes to training, he comes home, he's on his own. Every now and then he has friends or family that pop over, but it's a very, very lonely existence. Single, a conversation she's had with him is how do I meet the right girl knowing that she isn't after just my money or that I play for this team? And again, he's, he's very, he's, it's very good that he's been able to share this, but it's, it just, when she described it to me, it's just the loneliest place. And if the club aren't doing well or he's not doing great, he doesn't really have that 
outlet or he doesn't really have that off button. He doesn't go home and have different conversations. He goes home and he sits with it or he games or he probably goes to another vice. I'm not too sure, but maybe he tries to do something to get him out of that state of, of loneliness. It just made me think the other day because we we look at some of these and I've seen some of the headlines written about this player, but they go, oh, look at the money he's on, the car he drives, the lifestyle he's got. But he's actually very, very lonely and probably very unhappy at the minute. And it just made me reflect because I think sometimes you see these people are superhuman or they've got everything. But I think this is the case for a lot of really successful people in sport, actually. Mm. But it is a very, very lonely place to be. It's interesting because we're kind of touching on two sides of it. I think there's like the literal being lonely of and not being connected to someone you know or a, a partner or you know yeah. like in this in your the guy you're talking about is in a foreign country, and then there's mm. that loneliness of that of just being in your own head. Yeah, and I find it really interesting because the bit of being in your own head, I, I think back to like that podcast we had with Simon Cusden, you know, saying. I need brothers, I need fathers, I need mm-hmm. grandfathers in my life. Essentially, him talking about him needing to share what's in his head with other men, not not necessarily with mm. his wife all the time, so that he can yeah. he's not burdening her in a way. And I, I can relate to that. Mm. And when you were talking earlier about how through your difficult times, challenging times re- recently of dealing with different things, you've really shared and you've really reached out and you know, and I feel privileged to be part of that but I don't know if I do it enough I don't know mm. if I do it I was enough. going to ask you that yeah like I was how, going to ask you that I'm talking about the only loneliness in my head and how many times have I talked to you about it not enough I don't think what would be your current solution or current solution if you if you have those days where you feel really lonely is there a way that you kind of get yourself out of that well, I think probably not well enough is the first thing to say and it's not like mm. feeling lonely that sounds almost like it's a constant thing. I don't necessarily, it's not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more yeah. like I feel lonely with something, about something that yeah. I'm dealing with in my life because I feel like I've got to sort it out. And just recently, I have really forced myself to go, I need to reach out to a Fraser or a Sam, friends of mine, mm. and go, I just, you know, just have a coffee and a chat. And I'm, I am going to after mm. this podcast with you. Well, let's catch up this week. And I've really got to force myself. And it has been really an interesting learning for me because you know, recently you shared something with me. And I said, the first thing I said to you was, yeah. it's great you shared this with me. And I'm saying <laughs> stuff like that. And yet I'm not doing it well enough and therefore yeah. feeling a set. And I, it's really interesting for this podcast is like, I wonder whether a lot of men are doing that like that well I need to sort this out and and then you it gets so much that someone then just blows it away mm. with booze or drugs or whatever it might be and they're never actually dealing with what needs to be talked about and and you're a great yeah. example of someone who's sober clean living a good life and therefore you've got difficult situations which you're sharing and look how healthy and happy and not lonely you are mm. I wish I wish I would have had that from a younger age. I really do, mm. because I think especially in my in my football career, my God, that was the loneliest, <laughs> the loneliest place in the world. Because you're going in and you're hiding everything every day, and I try and be that for people now. And I didn't really, you know, we we did a, a podcast on um, purpose, 
And it was like trying to be the person that you needed when you were younger. Like, I really feel that now because I didn't have, mm. I kept everything inside, everything. There's not a person that I told about what a single thought that was going on in my head. Not a family member, not a friend, not a teammate, not a coach, no one for a long, long time. And I used to just drive myself insane, go home, take everything home, overthink about things, worry about things. And I just think if I had someone I could go, geez, like, I actually hate being a professional footballer at a minute. And that I used to sit with that feeling mm. and just not understand it. The one thing that I've wanted to do since I was about five years old, and I'm sat there at home on my own going, I absolutely hate this job. I hate that. And that's what it's become, a job. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'm worried. I'm panicking. I don't want to drive in tomorrow morning. And when you just keep that to yourself, I, I, I felt there isn't another player that feels the way I do. There's not a chance there's a, anyone else is at home sitting there wishing they weren't a professional footballer. Just give, I used to think my mates are like plumbers and builders. Just give me like something with a little bit less pressure. Go out of the weekend and live a normal life. Get on the beers. Like that's what I, I was playing at like a really good level, but wishing for that. And it was like a lonely existence where I'm just building that up in my head. But I also think my default setting from very early on as a kid was that my mum would, would back this up. But if there was loads of family members that used to come around to the house, as soon as that door went, I'd be upstairs in my bedroom and be like, I just don't want to be around. I don't want to be around these people. <laughs> and I'd just take myself off and go up to my room and just be on my own. With being a kid, do you remember a lot of loneliness as a kid, especially going to a boarding school? I assume that would have been a bit of a lonely experience at times, even though you are surrounded by loads of your peers and stuff. No, I, I don't remember that. Really? No, because I, I remember boarding school, for instance, one year I slept in a room with 15 other boys. There was wow. a dormitory with 16 boys in it. I think what I'm trying to describe is I, I don't know if it's like a bit of a self-imposed thing I put on myself. Like it's sort of, I don't know. I know it's not healthy, but maybe the, that that is just me. It's my choice in life going, right, come on, Luke, you need to sort this out. You know, you need to. And I don't know if there's like guilt wrapped in that or not wanting to be a victim in life or not wanting to be always wanting to take responsibility. I mean, that's that's a huge thing for me. Mm. But I'm sure there must be other men out there who think like that and they just bury something in them because they're just going, I need to sort this out. This is, you know, otherwise I'm not being a man in an essence. And we go back to that mm. old construct that we were talking about. Without your going to rehab and in recovery, and I know you said you, you still feel like you need to share more. Is that the, the thing that maybe opened you up to that? Because I look back and I think if I, even now, friends I that myself up to through what? recovery to actually sharing a, bit, a little bit more and talking right. about issues yeah. and talking about if you are feeling lonely, how to get out of it. Because I've got friends I've had for 20 odd years and I probably still haven't got that connection with them where I'd share openly with them but I've got a connection with other people that have gone down a similar path to me where I don't need to know them for any kind of amount of time but I feel safe going to them with issues and feel safe opening up sharing if I've got an issue like like last week the thing that you're talking about was like a really personal thing that came up that 
if I didn't talk to anyone, I would have drove myself mad all night. I wouldn't have slept. But I talked to a few people, got different perspectives. And by the end of it, I was laughing and going, geez, like I slept like a baby. I was laughing. I had different perspectives and people, I felt a real comfort that I could, that I could reach out to people. And um, yeah, I actually listened to a thing on loneliness and a guy was talking about if you haven't got someone in your phone book that you could reach out to at two o'clock in the morning that you know would pick up or would drop something for you. And he described that as, as kind of loneliness or being alone, not feeling like you've got mm-hmm. that presence in your life. That if, if something happened, you go, right, there's a couple of people there that I know that I could call at that time. And I know I've just completely gone round yeah. the first question that I asked you <laughs> about going to rehab. I can't even remember. What was recovery. the first question? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The, the two things that, that sprung to mind when you asked that question is the first one, recovery has taught me about taking responsibility. What is and isn't in my life right now is my responsibility. It's down to me. It's no one else's, you know, it's the pillar of my life that today. I sort of preach to my children about it and take responsibility for what is and isn't in your life now. Don't make excuses. It's about, you know, if there's someone in your life that's not, that's causing you a lot of problems, it's not them, it's you. You're choosing them to be in your Mm. life. If you're in a job that you don't enjoy, then look for another job. Take responsibility for what's going on. That's definitely step four, my part within it. That's a massive part of it all. I think the other big thing that came came in sobriety, which I, if I feel that sense of loneliness, I now, because I'm the distance between me and picking up a drink is considerable, vast, I can now look at the emotions I feel and I can reflect back to when I was drinking and I know what happened. I get it now. Mm. It was that I'd feel that loneliness and that pressure cooker in my head about something. And then I would go, I don't like this. I want out. So not mm. I want to share it in order to talk about it and help myself. What I'm going to do is I'm going to release this pressure valve by absolutely going on a bender. And then I can't feel anything. And I think that happens to a lot of men, a lot of men, whether they've got a drinking problem or not, they just, rather than talking about it, they have a bender, blur it out, and then they just move on and they go from there. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm thinking of someone when, that came into my head when, <laughs> and I definitely won't say his name, but his vice wasn't alcohol. It was women and it was escorts. But... A lot of people would go with a prostitute for like a transaction. So you're paying for sex basically. And it's your, it, in whatever aspect, it's like something something within you that that's comforting. For this person I'm thinking of in particular, it wasn't necessarily paying for sex. It was paying not to be alone. So instead of actually even going and sleeping with a prostitute, would actually go and pay to go to like a shopping center or go to a meal or go walking hand in hand. And it's really, it really opened my eyes when uh, when I heard this and when he was talking about it, because I could see the underlying issue. It wasn't, you know, it was at first it was talking a bit laddish and a bit Jack the Lad of when he goes to a certain country, this is what he does. But when you break it down, it's pure 
loneliness and he's looking for a bit of comfort, a bit of companionship. And although he's saying one thing to all his mates and giving it the big one, underneath it, I felt there was like a really scared, lonely little boy that wanted some comfort. And, you know, you talked about comfort in the form of alcohol. His was comfort in the form of someone that he could pay to keep him company, basically, or get him out of this state. And when I, when he was talking about it, I just, all I could picture in my head was this little boy, like, and that's what he wanted. Mm. And that was what made him feel mm. less alone. And you'd look at this guy as well, by the way, as a very, very successful, wealthy guy. And that's, that's an interesting part. And I go back to the, the guy that I'm talking about, the footballer, very, very successful, wealthy man. And I know that he's thinking, how can I complain about anything when I'm on this amount of money and I've got this amount of fame and I've got this, and I've got that. So you internalize all of that because if he says that to someone that doesn't quite get it or someone that's a bit judgmental and he says, I'm on £300,000 a week, I play in the Premier League, but um, having any kind of complaint about my own life, people would just shut him down and go, God, you want to see what it's like for me or you want to see what it's like for this person or that person mm. or I'll give my right arm to be in your position. So then you probably think, I can't, can't complain about this. I'm just going to internalize it. And then you talk again about the pressure cooker. You can do that for so long and then it builds and it builds and it builds and there usually is an outlet. Sex, drugs, alcohol, gambling, mm. whatever it might be. Porn is a massive one for a lot of people. But there's a... There's a comfort in what all of those things bring. For me, when I was sat on the sofa at home alone, retired from football, worried about the future and anxious, scared, alcohol at that point served me as like a comfort. It was like a cuddle on the sofa. It was like, right, come here, forget about this for tonight, worry about it tomorrow. It was like a real source of comfort for me that, that I felt I needed at that time. And now my source of comfort is, it, it is, it genuinely is reaching out to people like that. Again, I talk about that thing that happened the other night. Within the space of 10 minutes of that happening, I was on the phone to three different people and they all picked up. And again, I'm not someone a few years back because my worst nightmare was even talking on the phone. Someone would ring me, I'd look at it and go, oh God, like I don't want to answer this. But now I've become much more comfortable doing that and also receiving it because there was a guy that I used to go to I still go to for a little bit of advice and he's 10 years sober and I used to always go to him and give my problem, not my problems to him, but I'd, I'd want his advice on things. I want his opinion on things. And I think one of the beautiful things about AA is that the humility of people. So it wasn't like he was my therapist and I'm his client and I'm just going to him. After a few months of getting to know him, he phoned me in a real panic I was like, Fraze, I need your help on this. Um, I'm struggling here. I've, I've never been closer to having a drink. And I was like, what? You're supposed to be the guy that I go to for, for advice. But he, <laughs> he was coming to me. And it shows like, for me, it showed like real humility of, I look, I'm here, but I haven't got it all figured out. I need help as well. Even though you're a year sober, I'm 10 years sober. I've got more life experience. For him to come to me in a bit of a panic, I really liked it because I thought that shows like a real level of, of humility there that he feels comfortable enough mm. to, to come back to the guy that he's been offering advice to basically. But I think one of the big things for me has been like collecting like a group of mentors that I feel like I've got, you being 
right up there with that. And that, that brings me a level of comfort that if I am really in my own head or worrying about something or got a bit of a panic on, I'll reach out to three, four, five people that I've never been able to do before. And that's mm. like you said there about what Simon Custon said, like having that group of brothers and grandfathers and that those kind of figures, because I know every single time I've needed those recently, all been there and all completely shifted my perspective and got me out of my own head. So I'm, I'll be I'll be looking for you to do the same in the future, Luke. <laughs> no, well, I'm going to be looking for you to do it for me for this week, so don't worry about that. <laughs> The interesting bit about it is the connection bit. You know, if I go back to that, Mm. what was that quote? Loneliness is a feeling of unwanted isolation or lack of connection, whether you are alone or surrounded by others. I think that's really interesting because there's a few few different ways to look at that. We've obviously talked about sport and football in particular, and you think of being a football fan and being a, a really fanatical football fan. That's a form of religion for that person. Their entire life is based around the football fixtures, how their team's doing, how the players are doing within that team. And is that that sense, as, as religion can be for many people, that sense of connection for someone to something that makes them feel part of something, less lonely? It's a sense of belonging. There's a, there's a really good book. I think it's called Owen Eastwood. He It's called Belonging, that we all crave that kind of group, you know, like we would have done years ago in a tribe, that sense of belonging, belonging to something and belonging, you know, being a part of a community, I think, I think it's massive. And the other, there's another book, Ikigai, that I've read about, it's like Japanese philosophy, but kind of goes around certain aspects of things that you you need in your life. Uh, and also the blue zones where people live to over a hundred in certain parts of the world, but that sense of belonging, that sense of if they're going to, if they're not showing up for something, they're having people knock on the door, going, "Oh, where's such and such?" That sense of belonging of you're you're actually being missed if you're not being seen around, and you've got people looking after, looking out for mm. you, and a way that you're you're connected to that. If you are, if you're not there, people are kind of asking questions, and Although I was in a team for a long, long time, I didn't have a sense of belonging. Not at many clubs I, I was at. Maybe one, maybe one I felt really comfortable at home, like I belonged, like they were like a group of brothers for me. A lot of the others, mm. I was in a team on, just on my own, didn't belong, didn't feel like I fit in. Now, now I, you know, around here, I've really chucked myself into AA and the fellowship and I really feel a sense of belonging. I go into that room and I just go, oh, I feel at home. I feel like I've got people here that yeah, are like, home, yeah. oh, what, what have you been mm. up to? And asking you questions. And I feel like I've got that here. Mm. I've got that with the people close to me that I work with. And I've got that with family. So I feel, I feel like I've, I've, I've got that sense of belonging. And I think that's where, that's where people that haven't got it maybe do find it in sport. And some people will go, look at these football hooligans and they've got nothing better to do and they do this but it's their that's their tribe that's their sense of belonging that's where they're feeling connected to other people even sometimes when they're doing ridiculous stupid things like fighting and you know drugs and all the rest of it that's their kind of brotherhood where Mm -hmm. they feel 
right, this is the one place I actually feel at home, like people have got my back a little bit. Yeah, just on that point on, that you're talking about there with behaviour of football fans, i never forget, right, when Eric Cantona, my, my best friend oh, from school days, Anthony Wilcox, Coxie, is a beautiful man, amazing person. He's a huge South End United fan. And we, we were at school together, you know, <laughs> best of mates all, all throughout school. And I never forget when Eric Cantona did his karate kick into the crowd. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was yeah, against yeah. Crystal Palace in, a, in an FA Cup maybe. And he, he did that karate kick. I remember having a big conversation with Coxie about it and going, you know, well, the fan, that fan shouldn't have said something to him to create that reaction from him. And he was like, you just don't understand it. Like that, that fan... That's part of his life, you know, and Crystal Palace is his religion. And Cantona was, mm. would, I can't remember what exactly happened in the build. I think he'd fouled someone badly or something like that. And he said, it was like, you don't understand it. And we kind of agreed to disagree in the end. But it's very much like what you're talking about with that sense of belonging. But then there's, the, there's also the connection of, I think fundamentally, human, I might have said this to you before, certainly on this podcast, that. I think fundamentally, human beings, we kind of walk around the world going with this underlying theme in our head going, why are we here and what are we meant to be doing? <laughs> I, I really believe it. It's like why we're always like looking, we, you know, the amount of literature and discussion around meaning, purpose, direction, belonging, community, all yeah. of this. I honestly think it's because as humans, we're just like, we don't really know what we're meant to do here. I, I get caught in black holes watching Brian Cox videos and, and him talking about <laughs> that we might be the only we might be the only civilization in the Milky Way. We might be like an absolute freak of of occurrence within the and we just don't know. So we go round and round in these. That's why you know wars are created, or you get leaders saying, "Hey, I know what the answer is," and everyone goes, "Yay!" And then they char- charge after them because yeah. they they're desperate to hear someone tell them what we're meant to be doing or at least who we're meant to attack or whatever it might be it's it's sort of this weird paradox i think of being a human being but Mm. so i think i think the sense therefore of connection to for religion it might be a god or connection to something beyond us you know universe the size of the galaxy i think is all part of that of us feeling not so lonely with that sort mm. of, even though we might not consciously be aware of it, that thought in our head going, what on earth are we here for? What are we meant to be doing? And then there's like, yeah, but but I feel connect, I feel connected to God or I feel connected to whatever. And that's that's my, I'm not alone with this now. Does that make any sense? Or is that just yeah. a rant, rant, yeah, of, rant think, of a No, man? no, no. I think the way, I can't imagine there's many other animals that are walking around going, I wonder what our purpose is here. But if you look at... <laughs> How we've evolved as humans. I was looking at one of the kids' dogs this morning, <laughs> and I, I I was thinking he was there, confused man, going, oh, "What am I going to be doing today?" I was like, "Don't worry, son, I've got the same problem." <laughs> the if you look at us as like human beings, how we've evolved, like, and and when I go back to a tribe, like if you weren't part of a tribe way back in the day, you were going to die. Like you were out there on your own, you, you were you were going to die. So you had to be part of a part of a tribe you have to be have part of a belonging and when it comes back to like why we're here they probably didn't have the luxury of thinking why we're here because they were just in survival mode living outside hunting for food 
women looking after children, men going out and hunting and trying to provide, they didn't have the luxury of going, why are we here? What are we doing? It was like, right, we need to get this food. Otherwise we're going to die. We need to try and keep these safe. Otherwise we're going to die. It was just all like survival, survival. And I think now we live in a modern world where, you know, we, we haven't got those needs of we have to survive every single day. Otherwise we're going to get eaten or we're not going to have any food. We've evolved. So we've, we don't have those, you know, well, for the vast majority of the, the world, we don't have those daily survival issues. So then we've actually got more time to think what we're we actually here for, or we've got more, we've got a different kind of mindset because those needs are taken care of. It's not just survival anymore. It's like, actually, what are we here for? What are we, what are we offer into the world? How do we, how do we enjoy this? You know, I'm not sure though. I, I get you on that, but I'm now properly showing my geekiness of history and stuff like that. But you look back at like yeah. hunter gatherer times or like even some of the, you know, the Egyptians and some of the, the Aztecs mm. and the, the sort of worshipping of the stars and the sun and that kind of connection to astronomy was massive because in those days we are going off on a tangent here there was obviously no tv to watch so at night time i guess they just mm. they, a lot of them just looked at the stars and were like going wow and they so their <laughs> connection with astronomy was massive to go oh mm. maybe we're not the only ones just sat here on this rock you know around whatever it might be i don't know i think it's maybe adapted over time as to to what mm. it is but i i don't know it just brings me to this question of going and I'm genuinely asking of myself, do we think our expectations of not feeling lonely sometimes in life are just unrealistic? Maybe it's part of being human. Maybe it's part of being a man. It's just like at times you are going to get trapped in your head and or isolated in one way. And it's just part of living. I don't know. Can you help me with that, Fraser? <laughs> We're the only ones in there all, all day, aren't we? So you're going to have moments where... Mm this is like this is is our world i'm pointing to my head there but that is that is our world like no one else is inside there besides us at our core so we're gonna have times where we are in there a bit a bit more often you just with loneliness you're in there when you don't want to be i i believe like like you said in the beginning the mm. the unwanted feeling of, of being alone you're in there all the time or a lot, a lot more than you would like to, and you're disconnected from your tribe. You're not belonging, and and I, I look at my own days, and I, I do this really well now. So I do like a, an inventory of of my good days, my bad days, whatever it is. Get to the end of the day, it probably helps more, you know, when I'm when I'm living on my own, and I've I've got probably more routine and stuff like that. But I look at the days where I'm not feeling great. And they, to be fair, they don't happen too often, not like a full day of not feeling great. But there's a real theme that I found in my really good days. And it's always, always, always where I'm connected to people, where throughout that day, I've really been with other people. And on my down days, it's usually where, like a day like today, for example, where I've been traveling around for the last few days, really busy. I've got a day today where I'm like, right, breathe. I've got loads of stuff I've got to do on, on my laptop, catch up on things. Those are usually my worst days. Even though I'm looking forward to them, it kind of might be a day where I'm sat on my own doing stuff, where you need that every now and then. But mm. 
my good days are always there's there's always 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 that real human connection there so i know and i now know that if i'm having a bit of a down day it's like right you need to go and speak to someone you need to go and see someone you need to get to a meeting i've almost got like well i i feel like i have i've got a solution now that gets me that gets me better and gets me away from that and my solution is connecting with other people but it's only when you look through look at the days so if, if if every person out there started to do like a little inventory of their day they'd start seeing little patterns of you know when i have really good days this tends to happen maybe it's like eating well exercising whatever it might be when i have bad days god yeah it's pretty much the same like i'm in my own head a lot i'm overeating i'm not moving i'm not getting outside and you start to see like what works and what doesn't work for you but i also think yeah, about the expectations of constantly being connected and never feeling slightly lonely. I think, yeah, that probably is, you know, you're always going to get that that feeling of a little bit of loneliness as long as you've got something to hopefully get you out of that. And I think a lot of people find comfort in, in different kind of groups and, you know, maybe it isn't as humanly connected. You'll then start to see why there are certain groups on internet, on the internet that maybe form together. There's a sense of community with people that might game together or go on certain websites together or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I also believe that social media now plays a huge part in us feeling connected, but actually not being connected at all. Because there's a girl that I know who I haven't really spoken to since we left, since I left school or, you know, since I was about 15 She's on absolutely zero social media. So you can't see what she's up to day to day at all. So you actually have to reach out and message this person because you have no idea what's old going school. on. Like it would have been. Yeah, old school. Never, ever gone on social media. Whereas some of my other friends, I don't have to message or I don't feel like I do. I just look at their Instagram story and I know they're okay or I know what the kids are up to. I know how they're getting on. So I kind of feel connected, but we're not. And I think social media's what what kind of influence do you think that's had on loneliness? Do you think we're maybe more connected than than ever, but maybe also more disconnected than ever as well? Yeah, I, I think it falls into the pattern of wanting everything to look perfect, you know. And so, there's someone who's feeling a loneliness within themselves, whether it's from their own thoughts and not sharing it, or literal loneliness of not having anyone near them social media is probably not going to help them because they're just looking at people who are not telling them that. Or, I mean, that's not strictly true. There are people who share difficult times in their life, but it, but it can, that connection can be a false connection, can't it? It's a kind of, yeah, you yeah. think you're connected, but actually you're, you're watching a movie type scenario. So I, mm. I, I yeah, in a, in a world when we've never felt so connected online, maybe there is, still huge disconnection but I, I I wonder if that's just that is part of life I think the biggest thing that that's come for me for this podcast is and definitely my experience in the last last few weeks and what I've been kind of talking about is that and I'm talking about myself but I think this is probably reasonable advice to everyone we need to be proactive not to feel lonely I can sit here and go, well, I feel lonely with my thoughts in my head, but what am I doing about it? Going back to that responsibility thing, have I, like, Fraser, if you're free, can we meet for a coffee tomorrow? 
<laughs> Imagine if he says no now. <laughs> it's just that being proactive. So I think if you're listening to this and and have felt a sense of identification around feeling lonely at times, I think we've got to be proactive. Look at Fraser. Look at what he's created in his life and the connections he's made to feel connected on lots of different levels. But he's not done that by sitting on his bum. He's done that by being proactive. So I think if you feel a sense of this, male or female, or you know someone who struggles with this, I think there has to be that proactive nature of sorting it out and taking responsibility for it. So for me, I'm going to catch up with Fraser this week for a coffee. And to everybody, thanks for listening to the Understanding Men podcast once again. You can find us on all major social platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And as ever, we'll be promoting every episode via our own personal social media. So please come and find us. We want this podcast to be as interactive as possible. So please comment, message us, tell us what you want us to talk about. However difficult it might be, we are going to have the conversations that you want us to have. And if you've liked what you've heard, then please go ahead and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review. I haven't checked for quite a while where our reviews are on Apple Podcasts, but if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be wonderful. And thank you and goodbye for now. <laughs>